0: This morning is Genesis 32 verses 22 to 32. We'll read that together. It's what Hosea was referring to when it said that Jacob strove with God. Genesis 32 verses 22 to 32. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two fem- female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream And everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, It sometimes appears that if we go through the right motions in our Christian life that everything will work out okay. Often Christian spiritual exercises such as Sunday worship, regular devotions and prayer, and then further Bible study and contributions to the communion of saints can create a certain comfort level that leads to complacency about our situation before the Lord. It's almost like we can forget how holy God really is and how blessed we are to call him our Father. And so we begin to take blessings like the forgiveness of sins and even eternal life for granted, as if they were some sort of right that we have. Even when we are faced with health concerns or perhaps marital or family struggles, addictions, situations of persecution or danger, we sometimes think that we just have to ask God for help in our prayer, do our best to sort things out, and he should make us strong to resist, make the problems go away, and give us what we want. When Jacob was about to enter into the promised land he was in an extremely dangerous situation. And so he followed what had kind of been a formula in his life to get what he needed. First of all he sought reconciliation with his brother. Read that at the beginning of chapter 32. When that didn't seem to work he He went down on his knees and he prayed to the Lord, he confessed his weakness and he told God that he was afraid and he reminded God of the promises that God himself had made and he asked for help. And then he he prepared himself, he sent presents to Esau in the hope that Esau would calm down. And finally he brought his family and his possessions across the river, Jabbok, the stream, To face Esau, he showed that he also trusted the God he prayed to. While we look at that, it looked like Esau did everything right. Or sorry, that Jacob had done everything right. And now we expect that it was God's turn to answer Jacob's prayer. To give him strength. And bless Jacob's efforts to pacify his brother, to, to have peace with his brother. Is that, so we're expecting, isn't it? But our text reveals that God didn't answer as Jacob expected. Instead of making Jacob stronger, God made him weaker. Instead of taking his problems away, God just pointed out more problems. Instead instead of making the fight with Esau go away, God himself fought against Jacob so that now he had to face his problem with a limp and in his weakness. It's a shocking thing to read. It's not what we expect. There is a wrestling match in our text. And it was God who started it. And I preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme that God wrestles with his church to deepen her dependence on Jesus Christ. We see that he breaks the strong who fight him and he blesses the weak who cling to him and the strong is in quotation marks because they think they're strong. Anyone who reads through Genesis can recognize that Jacob is a strong, resourceful, richly blessed and extremely focused follower of God's promises, he could serve as a model of perseverance and trust. He was returning to take hold of his inheritance and the strength of God's promise that he would bless him if he returned. He had the vision of the angels of God, that camp of God, Mahanaim, in his mind as he's going south to take hold of his inheritance. And albeit unknowingly, he even had the hope of the Messiah preserved in his son, Judah. Jacob had shown he was willing to risk his life to take hold of the eternal inheritance. He recognized how much the church depended on the survival of his family. He He took action when he heard that Esau was coming to attack him with 400 men. Genesis 32 gives a detailed description of the gift that he prepared. And we learn that like a generous church member contributing to the causes of the church, Jacob invested heavily in the kingdom of God. He gave generously from his hard-earned wages to calm Esau to protect the church from this attack. And if Esau had been the only enemy, Confident Jacob showed that he was well prepared. He was ready to meet him. He sent his family over in the middle of the night. You can imagine his surprise then when he met another adversary that he wasn't counting on meeting who was much more dangerous. We read in Genesis 32 verse 24 Jacob was left alone His family had already crossed. He was left alone. He was going across. He was heading to to join his family. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Sort of the thing that we always fear when we're walking at at night. Make our way outside in the dark by ourselves. Well, that happened. There beside the Jabbok River, he's crossing in the dark. And all of a sudden, a man grabbed him and attacked him so that Jacob had no choice but to, to fight back. Jacob was a strong man. We remember he removed the rock from the well. He was a strong man. He was driven by his plans to win this this victory against Esau to protect his family and his possessions and take hold of his inheritance. So he fought hard. He had a strong will. And it was while Jacob was standing up to this adversary in strength, And self-confidence that he came to realize against whom he was fighting. And that Esau and Laban were not his only enemies, his only adversaries. Genesis 32 does not describe the man who attacked Jacob. Since it was the middle of the night, it may have been hard for Jacob to see At the same time, Jacob can feel the the strength of this man who, who continued to hold him all the way to the break of day. If you've ever wrestled someone, you know what that takes out of you. He could see the strength of the man. And then when the river wrestler simply touches his hip socket to put it out of joint, it's clear that the man he is wrestling with is special. Then he shows his authority by changing Jacob's name. And so Jacob has to conclude at the end of our passage in verse 30, he says, I have seen God face to face. This does not mean that we should think that God has a body, but we should understand that our text is describing a special revelation of God. The, the term is a theophany, an appearance of God that is similar to the time when God appeared to to Abraham and he sat with him and he talked with him and he ate food with him. God manifested his presence on earth through a man. And in this sense, we see that Jacob stood face to face with God. And we need to note that it was God who initiated the struggle Sometimes this passage is described to talk about pious Jacob who spent all night wrestling with God in prayer. Jacob prayed already, he was on his way, and God initiated the struggle. He came down to wrestle with Jacob. The text gives the impression that it was a fair match, that it lasted a long time. But then we read in verse 25, And the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. He touched his hip socket Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. At first glance, that sentence doesn't seem to make any sense. How could one who was powerful enough to simply touch his hip socket out of joint not be able to prevail against Jacob? To understand that, we need to understand the the purpose of the encounter. And as we look at the context and as we look at, at the message that the chapter is is giving, that the message of Jacob's limp, that the Israelites clung to as something sacred, we read in the last verse, the message of, of the limp shows us why the man attacked Jacob in the river. It wasn't just to knock him down. That wasn't prevailing against him. Man saw that Jacob continued to rely on his own Strength on his own self will, just like he had always done, just to get his own way, like we so often do every day. God fought against Jacob to show him that his situation as a sinner before God was more dangerous than the attacks of men. And so we can see this passage, we can translate that little verse when the man saw that he was not managing to show Jacob that he had someone to fear who was greater than Esau. He revealed who he was to him by touching his hip socket and putting his hip out of joint. God fought against Jacob to show him that he was dependent on God, that God was a more dangerous enemy to him than Esau, because Jacob was a sinner. In our lives, too, we we see that. The problem inside our own hearts, like we sang in hymn 28, the, the problem inside our own hearts is more of a hindrance to a good relationship with God than the problems that are out there. We often hear people blaming, well, it's my husband, or or it's my wife, or it's my friends, or it's my church, or it's my elders, or whatever it is. Jacob's own heart and his own pride would be a greater obstacle to the blessing of God in the promised land than his angry brother with 400 men. You can read... A similar thing, I didn't put it in here because of time in Isaiah 63, verses 8 to 11, it says that God fought against Israel when they began to rely on their own strength. The Lord gave Jacob a limp so that he could clearly see that he did not have the strength to continue to fight against God and win. When the man touched his hip, Jacob all of a sudden realized that he was striving against God. God not only there by the Jabbok stream, but every time he tried to accomplish his goals in his own strength, even when he was seeking to take hold of his divine blessing. The limp showed Jacob that he was not as strong as he thought he was. It was a new limitation that would constantly remind him and all Israel for centuries after that no one, is really strong enough in themselves to earn any blessings through their own strength, their own planning, not even their own piety. The text is saying you can be a failure, a failure in the eyes of the world and still receive God's loving and gracious blessing. In fact, maybe it's better to be a failure in the eyes of the world. Like Jacob in his pious desire to take hold of his inheritance, like the Pharisees, like the Pharisees who thought that they had everything figured out, like Paul before his conversion, like a complacent so-called Christian who begins to believe that his sins aren't that bad, that he can do it, We often fight against God. We pit ourselves against him. We try to manhandle our way forward. And it looks innocent enough. In fact, it usually appears like a spiritual strength, Christian activism. But our so-called piety becomes more and more important to us. Before we know it, we're fighting against God himself. In God's grace, his word takes hold of you now in the journey. Like that man who took hold of Jacob. And he urges you to humble yourself before holy God. To rely on him for everything. The preaching is like that, the first part of the struggle in the night. It calls, it urges, it pushes, it challenges. Will it prevail in your lives? Or has the preaching become nothing more than the the mumbling of an old grandfather God that you hardly hear anymore? I can do this, you think. I can do this. It's nice that that guy is talking. If you keep denying your weakness, keep sweeping your own real needs, the needs of your heart under the rug... If you keep ignoring God's word to follow your own desires or keep trying to overcome sin in your own strength, watch your hip sockets. Because God is much more than an old, benign Santa Claus God. Hosea says it, doesn't it? Hosea 11 verse 10, he is a lion. He is a lion who roars. A lion who will make you tremble. He will continue to fight against you until you truly see who you are so that you can receive the fullness of his blessing. He wants you to know who you are so you receive the fullness of his blessing, the fullness of grace, and not some partial help and an encouraging slap on your back as you do your own thing. The blessing to dwell with God. In peace, in the promised land, that inheritance that we so eagerly seek, that Jacob so eagerly seeks, it's only experienced when we come to God with broken and contrite hearts. Before the man blessed Jacob, he asked his name, for the name was a declaration of who Jacob was. The question, what is your name, it's, it's the verbal counterpart to putting Jacob's hip out of joint. Asking that question, what is your name, it, it was a way of exposing Jacob's sins and weaknesses. All Jacob can do to answer is say, my name is Jacob. I am the supplanter. I am a deceiver. I am one who spends his life seeking the blessing, but I have wronged a lot of people. That's why I am in this trouble that I am in. I have trusted my own ingenuity more than on God's power and word. I am Jacob the worm. That's what the man brought Jacob to see and to say. Although God may not have said it at the time, and we read, we heard a lot about Jacob's life. Jacob now saw all the wrong things that he had done to get his blessing. All those things were not acceptable to God. Sometimes we hear these sermons, we wonder, what doesn't God care that he did all those wrong things? You see now that he did. Jacob deceived, he manipulated his brother, he deceived his father, he married so many women. He hurt Laban's business. He became angry in his pride against Laban. Jacob had to tell him, I am Jacob. Every time we hear the reading of the law, we hear the Lord ask us the same question. He says, what is your name? And the answer never is pretty. We begin every worship service saying to God, my name is Jacob. I've seen God face to face. Peniel, I deserve to be punished eternally. Esau is nothing as an enemy compared to the Lord. As our Lord Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Hosea 12 says that Jacob strove against God. But then we note there is a change. Verse 12, Hosea 12, verse 3 says Jacob strove against God. Verse 4 says he wept and sought his favor. Rather than get bitter with God because of the hardship, as soon as Jacob recognized that God was the wrestler and he was losing, his stance and his attitude changes and he goes from a fighter to a beggar. We see that in our second point. We read in our text that when Jacob recognized his brokenness and his dependence on God, he clung to the very same God who fought against him to ask God for a blessing. That's a picture we can apply to our lives. Jacob clung to the very God that could slay him, For although this God was more powerful and had every right to punish him in his holiness, he is not a God who ignores the concerns of the individual. God wrestles with us to break us, to humble us, to expose our weakness so that we deepen our dependence on Jesus Christ. He drives us to his son, Jesus Christ, so that we recognize him as our complete savior. Paul talked about putting confidence in the flesh and he said, never again. In this context, the Lord gives Jacob a new name, Israel. Jacob's faith finally could be seen when he changed from a fighter to a beggar. Please bless me, he said. He lost his life in order to find it in God and he received the name Israel. Now the the L part, El, in the name Israel, that refers to God. It means God. The Isra part is connected to the word for striving. So it means God strives or or, or he he strives with God. Both directions. Both are true. There's always conflict. There is unrest. Mankind is, is fallen into sin. We stand before God saying, I am Jacob. I hear your law. The name Israel stands in the the center of the history of redemption. God wrestling with stubborn children to make them see their sins and then confess their dependence on God's grace and forgiveness. The message of the name Israel is that God breaks your confidence in the flesh so that in your brokenness you prevail by completely depending on him. The Lord wanted Jacob to enter the promised land in humility and trust. Hungry for righteousness and depending and desiring on a Savior who can take the root out of our rebellion that is in our hearts. He wants you to enter to the promised land and to your inheritance with that same humility. The name Israel makes the church cry out for a Savior. We don't want the striving, we want the peace. And as Jacob stands on the edge of the promised land, he receives a blessing of a name that makes him cry out, where they'll always be striving. And even when Israel is in their new land, they cry out like we sang in Psalm 85, stanza 2. Will God continue to fight against us because of our sins? Will we never know true peace? And so in our brokenness, and our humbleness, we cling to our God and we look to him. Bring us peace. (coughs) The blessing of the name Israel is that it kept Israel, the people of God, focusing on the promised Messiah. When we cling to God who wrestles against us, we do so looking for the hope of the only Messiah. It deepens our desire to have him as our Lord. When we hear the holy law of God that exposes our weakness and shows us that in our sins we are like Jacob that strives with God and with men, then in brokenness we cling to the same God who fights against us and we confess our sins. We say, Lord, I am Jacob. Please have mercy on me. Wash me clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can try to hide your limp from others. You can give the world a more pious name than the name Israel. But God knows you. and God sees you. And he knows what's in your heart. And he knows who you are. And so we can stop pretending. Can use our remaining strength not to try hide who we really are, but we can use our remaining strength to cling to Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord poured out his wrath upon his son, Jesus Christ. We can see that he is our, our only hope. It's an amazing thing to see as we read the end part of the passage. We see how Jacob asks the angel what the angel's name is. The angel tells him he cannot. Maybe it's because it's, it's too wonderful. That's what the angel said to Samson's parents in Judges 13 verse 18. Maybe it was Jacob's last attempt to try control God, get a handle on his God, and God says no. He didn't give him the name. Jacob just stands there, he says, Peniel, I've seen God face to face, and I've lived. It's it's an expression of, of deep gratitude and amazement. I, Jacob the limper, have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. You see how Jacob's weakness remove that obstacle of of pride and self-confidence, that desire to put God in a box. And with a broken and contrite heart, he could truly see what grace looks like. He could truly see what forgiveness means. He's amazed that he is able to, to still be alive even after his fight with God. It's an amazing thing. We shout Peniel every time we we hear God point out who we are and then still show his love to us. It's like Paul. Paul said, he said, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Now we understand what that means. We can see that. The limping leader Jacob who had seen God and been brought from a confident fighter to to a humble beggar who had been confronted with his own sin, so that he knew he could not enter the promised land by his his own strength. In his weakness he sees the fullness of grace and of his God. And then what happens instead of looking at ourselves all the time we, we lift up our eyes to God. The focus changes, and and when we do that, we hear the gospel. We hear that in the preaching. We We hear Christ Jesus proclaimed. Christ Jesus is the one whom God really fought against. He destroyed his son on the cross, all his anger. Christ Jesus took the place of all rebellious sinners, he is our substitute. That's why we can say, I have seen the face of God, and he saved me. Because Christ took the full brunt of his anger. That's humbling. That makes us realize we we can be weak before God. We have permission to be weak before God. He's not there to crush us anymore. He's crushed his son so that we can find our life in him. brothers and sisters, with broken and contrite hearts, cling to this Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you go from here, because we sang about that in the Psalms, about how we're strong, how the Lord gives us what we need, That strength is Christ's strength. Paul says, when I boast, I boast about Christ. When I talk about strength, I talk about the strength of of Christ in me. Wisdom, the wisdom of Christ. Righteousness, completely his. Then it's no longer us versus the world, but it is Christ and his body versus the world. Christ, the eternal king, and we with him. In our humility. If you were Esau, who would be a more formidable foe? Who would be a, a foe that would, an enemy that would make you more afraid? The old Jacob? The old Jacob who tried to control all things, a resourceful, strong, intelligent man? making all his plans, using his wealth to to get what he wants, just to nail it just right. Or the new Jacob, who couldn't run away, limping along and relying on the power and the blessing of God Almighty. The new, limping Jacob, who knew his sins and trusted in his God, was much stronger and the old Jacob who tried to rely on his own strength. You see that in chapter 33. We didn't read it, but he, he, he says, Esau, you could just keep those gifts. I know you were at peace, but just keep them. He didn't rely on his strength, his riches anymore. And then when Esau said, I'll give you protection, Jacob said, no, it's all right. I don't need it. And Jacob's, Esau said, well, how about a little bit? And Jacob says, you know what, I'm fine. My God is with me. The God of Israel promises to strive for us, with us. We don't need to fight against him. The Lord is good and just. Let us put our trust in him in our brokenness and our weakness. Amen.